Welcome to Bradley's Micro Board Review, where we try to make your board's review for microbiology a little less painful. But, I mean, we're not magicians or anything. This still sucks. Today is March 15th, and we're going to talk about an organism that is every child's nightmare, Streptococcus pyogenes. Group A Streptococcus, or GAS, gas, is responsible for every child's nightmare, the throat swab. Not everyone, just me. Anyway, there are two main forms of gas, <laughs> skin infections and pharyngitis. The skin infections include cellulitis, impetigo, erythematosum, erythema nodosum, and necrotizing fasciitis. Pharyngitis is commonly called strep throat. This can occur by itself or it can occur along with strawberry tongue and a sandpaper-like rash. Those symptoms together are called scarlet fever. If streptococcal pharyngitis goes untreated, it can develop into the autoimmune disease called rheumatic fever. This is when antibodies against the virulence factor M protein cross-react with the self-proteins in the heart and cause heart damage. Gas infections of both types, skin and pharyngitis, can also lead to the formation of post-streptococcal glomerulonephritis, which occurs when immune deposition forms in the kidneys and triggers kidney damage. Some strains of gas have virulence factors that act as superantigens to cause a toxic shock-like syndrome called streptococcal toxic shock syndrome. Gas strains are widely susceptible to penicillins and should be treated quickly to avoid the formation of rheumatic fever. In the setting of severe toxic shock syndromes, clindamycin can be added to the penicillin therapy. Now let's take all that knowledge and bring it to the boards. A six-year-old female presents to the pediatrician's office with a sore throat and fever for the past two days. Vital signs reveal a temperature of 101.3 Fahrenheit, a heart rate of 125 beats per minute, and a normal blood pressure. Physical examination reveals a white exudent on bilateral tonsils with that surrounding exudent, which does not bleed when scraped. Past medical history reveals up-to-date immunizations and no relevant history. A throat swab is collected and cultures reveal a gram-positive catalase-negative organism. Rapid testing reveals the organism is positive for pyrolidinyl aryl amidase. The most likely causative agent has what type of capsule? Is it A, adonatol, B, G-glutamic acid, C, alginic acid, D-hyaluronic acid. First, diagnose the patient. A child is presenting with fever, sore throat, and slight dehydration, which is probably due to the refusal to drink due to pain. All of this is suggestive for exudative pharyngitis. Exudative pharyngitis presents with fever, tonsillar exudate, no cough, tender cervical lymphadenopathy, age under 15 years old, no conjunctivitis, no coryza, and no diarrhea. 
The exudative pharyngitis does not bleed when scraped, which suggests this is not Carinobacterium diphtheriae, which can also cause a exudative pharyngitis. Another hint is that it isn't diphtheria is the fact that the patient is up to date on vaccinations. So now you have to differ differentiate gas from viral pharyngitis. To do this, there are many rapid tests that can diagnose gas, such as the test for the presence of pyrolidinyl aryl amidase, or PRY, which only bacteria produce. This is an enzyme that is highly associated with gas strains, although confirmation with catalase testing, gram staining, or hemolysis pattern is best because we're finding more and more genre that are PR web positive. Gram-positive cocci that are catalase negative and PRY positive, which are causing exudative pharyngitis in a young child, is pretty suggestive for streptococcus pyrogenes. A 65-year-old male presents to the emergency room with difficulty breathing. Vital signs reveal a temperature of 98.6 Fahrenheit, a heart rate of 90, a respiratory rate of 25, and an oxygen saturation of 98% on room air, and a blood pressure of 120 over 80. Urinalysis reveals a gross appearance of dark brown colored urine, the presence of red blood cells, and large quantities of protein. Past medical history reveals cellulitis of the lower leg, which was successfully treated with penicillin three weeks ago. Laboratory analysis of the serum revealed anti-streptolysin O antibodies. What type of hypersensitivity is affecting this patient? Is it A, type 1, B, type 2, C, type 3, or D, type 4? First, diagnose the patient. The patient is presenting with respiratory distress and the urinalysis reveals extensive kidney damage, the presence of the protein, red blood cells, gross hematuria, etc. Past medical history reveals a recent bout of cellulitis, which was successfully treated with penicillin. Cellulitis can be caused by gas, Staphylococcus aureus, Staphylococcus epidermidis, and many others. The presence of anti-streptolysin O antibodies during acute kidney damage is highly suggestive for post-streptococcal glomerulonephritis. Post-streptococcal glomerulonephritis is an autoimmune disorder. It can occur after streptococcal pharyngitis or a skin infection with gas. It occurs two to four weeks after a gas infection. Typically, the infection is resolved, so you won't detect any of the bacteria within the system. Antistreptolysin O, or ASO, antibodies are sometimes the only hint that you'll have to make the diagnosis. It is caused by the deposition of immune complexes in the delicate, thin tissues like the kidney, lung, and capillaries, causing inflammation and damage. Type 1 hypersensitivities are when IgE antibodies are created against a soluble antigen. An example is allergic rhinitis. Type 2 hypersensitivities are when IgG antibodies are created against cell surface antigens. An example is rheumatic fever. Type 3 hypersensitivities are when antibodies group together into immune complexes with other proteins and then get stuck in the thin, delicate tissues of the kidney, lung, and capillaries. 
the immune system tries to clean up the complexes by promoting inflammation, but it just ends up damaging the surrounding tissue. An example is systemic lupus erythematosus. Choice D, type 4 hypersensitivities, are when T cells are out of control. They go, wee, and the tissue damage occurs. The line between an immune reaction and a hypersensitivity is relatively vague. An example of a type 4 hypersensitivity is type 1 diabetes mellitus. Therefore, the correct answer is C. Post-streptococcal glomerulonephritis is a type 3 hypersensitivity. A 45-year-old male presents to the emergency room with an intensely painful lesion on the lower left leg, which severely worsened in the past 24 hours. Vital signs reveal a temperature of 103 Fahrenheit, a heart rate of 75, a respiratory rate of 30, and a blood pressure of 110 over 75. Physical examination of the lesion reveals extensive necrosis and ecchymosis. The patient is taken to surgery to remove the affected necrotic tissue, and cultures of the surrounding area are taken. Cultures reveal a monomicrobial causative agent, which are gram-positive cocci that are catalase-negative and sensitive to bacitracin. Which of the following is the most associated virulence factor causing this patient's symptoms? Is it A, M-protein, B, DNase, C, streptokinase, D, erythrogenic toxin, or E, CEPB. First, diagnose the patient. The patient is presenting with severe pain and a rapidly progressing necrotic lesion. This is highly suggestive of necrotizing fasciitis, which is a surgical and medical emergency. This patient needs to be taken to the OR immediately to try to clean as much of the wound as possible to hopefully save his leg. Oh, and like his life, I guess. Choice A, M-protein, inhibits phagocytosis, which might help the bacterium in this infection, but is not the direct cause of the symptoms. Choice B, DNase, destroys neutrophil extracellular traps, or NETs, which is when a neutrophil walks up to a bacteria and throws up on it a bunch of destructive enzymes and DNA, which will kill the bacteria. Again, this might help the bacterium during infection, but is not the direct cause of these symptoms. Choice C, streptokinase, pre prevents clotting by degrading, degrading clots. This virulence factor might help, but isn't directly the cause. Choice D, erythrogenic toxin, is the cause of the strawberry tongue and the red rash during scarlet fever, which is not what this patient is suffering from. Choice E, set B, destroys tissue in order to release nutrients and habitation for the bacterium. This virulence factor is highly associated with strains of gas that cause necrotizing fasciitis. Therefore, the correct answer is E, CEP B. A 12-year-old female presents to the emergency room with a new onset chest pain and difficulty breathing. Vital signs reveal fever and a heart rate of 90. Physical examination reveals a non-puritic pink ring-like rash covering the back that blanches. There are also several small, round, painless nodules surrounding both elbows. The patient reports a dull, achy pain in both knee joints that comes and goes, but the movement is not restricted. Past medical history is significant for a case of sore throat two weeks ago, which was treated with fluids and rest. What is the most likely diagnosis? Is it A, scarlet fever, B, rheumatic fever, 
C, erythema nodosum, D, purpural fever, or E, streptococcal toxic shock syndrome. First, diagnose the patient. Well, I guess we only have to diagnose this patient. Oh, well, let's get started. The patient is presenting after a recent bout of sore throat that was only treated with fluids and rest. She is now presenting with chest pain, dyspnea, tachycardia, fever, erythema marginatum, subcutaneous nodules, and migratory large joint polyarthralgia. This is nearly every criterion needed to diagnose a patient with acute rheumatic fever. We use the Jones criteria to diagnose acute rheumatic fever, or ARF. ARF. <laughs> the Jones criteria are as follows. The J stands for joints. It's going to be migratory, multiple joint pain that often affects one joint, then moves to another one. The O is actually a heart because pancarditis is a sign which often presents as dyspnea, chest pain, asymptomatic new murmur, tachycardia, palpitations, and malaise. The N stands for nodules, subcutaneous, small, firm, painless nodules that appear on the extensor surfaces near the tendons and last about two weeks before disappearing. The E stands for erythema marginatum. It's a rash on the trunk that is typically ring-like, but overlapping, not like Lyme disease. This will be non-puritic, pink, and blanches with pressure. The S stands for Sindaham Coriah, um, most likely presents six to eight months after the pharyngitis episode and presents as involuntary movements and appear like facial grimacing, fidgeting, clumsiness, emotional liability, difficulty with handwriting, which disappears during sleep. Choice A, scarlet fever, presents as exudative pharyngitis with a sandpaper-like rash covering the trunk that might or might not be red. It's possible to have a strawberry tongue along with this. Choice C, erythema nodosum, is when subcutaneous nodules form often around the knees where the skin bends. This is a hypersensitivity reaction to peptidoglycan. Choice D, purpural fever, occurs when the uterus becomes infected after childbirth. Choice E, streptococcal toxic shock syndrome, will present with fever, hypotension, and tachycardia. Therefore, the correct answer is B, rheumatic fever. You can find our study calendar, a guide on how to study microbiology specifically for the boards, our contact email address, and references used to make this episode at thebradleylab.wordpress.com. If you found an error or would like to discuss any of this information, please leave us a voice message in the show notes. If you appreciated this episode, please subscribe and tell a friend. This podcast was written and edited by me, Jillian Bradley. See you tomorrow.